Hey guys, it's Dentrice here and welcome to the Sugar Fair Heart Podcast. This is our second episode in our five-part series and I'm so happy that you're tuned in. I'm happy that you are listening and I'm really happy for the feedback that I've received so far. I really just want to thank those who have given me feedback on how we can improve on the topics that you would like to hear and of how we can dig deeper in these podcasts. Um, it means a lot. I know that there's a lot of information that is going around and we can access information easily at this moment, but it helps to know that persons within my circle of influence are listening, are sharing, and you're definitely giving feedback on how we can improve. Now, as I said in my last episode, while I'll be speaking about my mental health and emotional wellness, these recordings aren't substitutes for a relationship with a mental health professional. They are not a substitute for a relationship with a clinician or a therapist. These are for information purposes only. And the truth is, we all need reminders. We all need new information to help us to move through this time. Today, I'm going to be speaking about checking the language that we use and how we can keep our relationships out of a crisis, even though we are in a crisis. But before I do that, I want to share just the PSA. There is help on island. If you're not feeling like yourself, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you are feeling as if you don't have it together at this time, or if you're feeling as if you just want to speak to someone who cares, someone who is trained, someone who's compassionate, someone who knows what they are about, counseling services are available on island. You can reach out to 662 8086 and a trained and compassionate professional or a clinician will reach out to you. The truth is a lot of us were extremely stressed. We are experiencing anxiety symptoms. We're feeling a low mood. Some of us are a bit agitated. We're frustrated with all that is happening. Some of us are turning to substances to help us to cope. There is help. We don't have to do this alone. We really can reach out to persons on island who are willing to help us. So again, this is a shameless PSA, but the number is 6628086. And I'm sharing this because I was scrolling through my Twitter this week and I saw a post about a young man in St. Lucia who died by suicide and his 13-year-old daughter was in the house with him. And his family members shared that his partner would have called the police a few days indicating that he was not himself. He was acting strange. He was not acting right. Um, and he threatened to kill himself. And the police, you know, according to the report, they did nothing about it. And the individual who was sharing this was referencing how flawed our systems are, especially our mental health system in the Caribbean. And I really had to interject because while there is a room for improvement in our mental health systems across our islands, there are just incredibly trained, dedicated and committed professionals who are willing to support you. And one thing I know since I've returned home is that persons just don't know who to reach out to in times of trouble. Persons just don't know who to call. Persons just don't know whose DM to slide into. They don't know who to contact if they are not feeling okay or if someone that they love or they care about or someone they know is not feeling okay. They don't know the 
first step of reaching out for help. And so I want to encourage you to have a few numbers on hand during this lockdown, especially if, you know, you may be feeling a bit overwhelmed or stressed out or you're not feeling like yourself or you feel that you might need help. It pays to have these numbers on hand because when there is a crisis, you're not thinking straight. You're not thinking as you would under normal circumstances. The only thing that can help you is if someone can quickly go to your phone or go to a book or go on your fridge door and see the number of mental health support somewhere so that they can reach out to persons. And so I want to just encourage you this week to have the number for a wellness or the psychiatric ward or the hospital on hand. Have that on hand and also have a number for a general practitioner on hand because they may be able to refer you to a clinician or to a therapist or to a professional. I also want to encourage you to have the number for a mental health advocate. Those persons you can easily reach out to and they can lead you to a clinician if they are not a clinician themselves. And then lastly, this might be an odd one for us on the island because I know a lot of us don't do therapy, but it is still worth saying, have the number for your therapist, have the number for someone who you speak to, a professional that you speak to continually, have that number close to hand in your phone, on your fridge, in a notebook, on your wall, on a sticky note somewhere, have it close. And having your therapist's number is not about texting them or being absolutely casual with them. It is for emergencies only. It is for a crisis situation or a situation where you don't know who to call and you just need help. And so that professional, once they have, you know, you've you've reached out to them, they will assess the level of crisis and deal with you accordingly and guide you accordingly. And I know that every therapist has his or her own set of boundaries. Some don't want to give you their professional number, but they may give you their professional email and they they may respond to you through email and tell you who you should call, what you should do, what the next steps should be. This deserves a conversation with your therapist. And this is so important because virtual support is a thing at this time. And there is no excuse, especially for those of us who are seeing a therapist, for us not to have the numbers of help on hand. So there is help on island. And it's so important that I share this. And I'm very, very passionate about this because, again, I feel that persons just don't know. And, you know, it helps to share the information with persons that you care about, because in this time when we are forced to pause, we are forced to sit with ourselves A lot of emotions will surface. And according to the old people, when trouble break out, you have to know who you can turn to and who you turn to should be able to help you. All right now. So let's talk about checking the language that we use. Now, we all know that language matters. We know that language is a powerful tool. The words we use to describe how we're feeling or what is happening around us, they really impact the way that we frame a situation or the way that we see a situation. So words matter because they either nurture a mindset of resilience and optimism or they can reinforce 
mindsets that can impact the way that we feel. This is why we continue to tell persons to speak positively to yourself or to consider your internal dialogue. Consider how you are talking to yourself because it impacts the way that you see life. It impacts the way that you see a situation. So this week, I want us to check how we are framing or how we are talking about what is happening to us, through us, in us during this pandemic. I know that on social media, I've been seeing this a lot. Many of us are calling ourselves inmates. And I know it might be funny. It's cute. It's cool. It's it's a light moment. Um, but we're simply referring to ourselves as if we're in prison, as if we're locked in and we're helpless. And we may feel this way, but the truth is we are not in prison. The truth is these are emotional times. And the last thing we need to do especially to ourselves, is to use disempowering labels on ourselves and about the situation that further exasperates feelings of hopelessness, feelings of helplessness, or feelings of overwhelm. So I want you to become conscious of the way in which you describe what you are feeling. I want you to consider putting your feelings into words because it impacts your emotional experience. And I I can't stress this enough. How we speak to ourselves, how we speak about ourselves impacts our emotional experience. And if it's one thing that is fragile right now, that is very vulnerable right now, is our emotional state. This is a very trying time and we need to be smart about the labels that we are putting on ourselves and the things we are telling ourselves or the loops, the internal loops that we keep replaying within ourselves. So you may feel like an inmate. You may feel as if you are trapped at home. You may feel as if you are stuck at home. I want you to dig deeper and ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? Am I feeling like a prisoner because I don't have the freedom to go down to Bastia as I would like to? Am I feeling like an inmate because the government has locked down the country and I can't do anything unless they say so? Am I feeling like an inmate because I'm stuck in a home with people who are getting on my last nerves? Dig deep within yourselves and ask yourself the tough questions. Why am I feeling this way? And really consider how can I give language to what I am feeling and giving language to what you're feeling helps you. Um, it helps others to help you and it creates a habit where you are not nearly really labeling yourself, but you're labeling yourself and you're labeling how you're feeling smartly. So I know for me, giving language to what I'm feeling looked like me telling myself I am feeling scared for what is happening in the world. This is scary when I consider the deaths. When I consider people losing their jobs, when I consider just how stressed people are, when I look at threads on social media and I see how many young persons are referencing hurting themselves and they're depressed or they're feeling extremely anxious, when I consider persons here on island reaching out to me about their own personal anxieties, giving language to me meant me telling myself I am feeling scared of what is happening in this world. Another example for me this week was I am feeling exhausted by all these changes and all these adjustments. It's one adjustment after the other and it's one change after the other. And I know that many of us, we have the emotional capacity to move through changes like champs. And then there are others of us who we have to really be gentle with ourselves as we're moving through. And then another one that, you know, 
I another feeling I had to give language to this week was I am grieving the loss of not being able to go to town as I feel like or to go to the beach just to clear my mind or to even see my friends. I had to give language to that because that's how you give a language to what you are feeling. You simply state what you are feeling and why you are feeling this way. Um, there's just so much research about it that suggests that when we recognize and when we name an emotion, when we name how we are feeling, it often quells that emotion. It often really quells the intensity of the emotion. So the act of labeling, the act of labeling a very strong emotion, you, you're grieving, you're feeling sad, you're feeling frustrated because X, Y, Z, it engages our executive brain and it transforms the emotion into an object where we can process it and assess it and we can scrutinize it and really disrupt the intensity. And this is important. We know the phrase, you can't heal what you don't acknowledge. You can't fix what you don't know is there to fix. And it's the same thing about our emotions. Unless we can pinpoint it, we won't be able to pick it apart, scrutinize it, challenge it, and see it for what it is instead of having it be this huge ball of intensity. And I know for many of us, we don't know how to describe how we are feeling. We don't know how to give a language to how we are feeling, whether it's because we grew up in homes where we were not allowed to give language to how we are feeling. Or we grew up in homes where expressing ourselves was not a thing. Because our parents didn't even know how to express their own emotions healthily. So we have no blueprint. We have no example of how to give language or describe how we are feeling. So a lot of us, you know, when we ask how you're feeling, I don't know. And it's not because you don't know. It's because you don't have the language to express it or you don't feel safe enough to express what you are feeling. So I'm encouraging you, I'm strongly encouraging you this week to consider researching a feelings chat, a feelings wheel, especially if you have a hard time pinpointing how you're feeling. And we know when we're dealing with children and we're teaching them about their emotions, we show them the feelings chat. We give them that wheel so that they can have a better understanding of how to label their emotions so that they can tell us how they're feeling and we can help them to process their emotions. For many of us, we have to relearn how to give language to what we're feeling. And we may even have to do so by turning to a feelings chat or wheel as adults so that we can better pinpoint and articulate how we are feeling. And this will help us to move beyond saying, I don't know how I'm feeling. And from labeling ourselves negatively, like saying we're inmates in this pandemic. I also want to talk a little bit about relationships. I want us to first appreciate that we are all on edge. All of us are experiencing some level of stress and being locked in for many of us is magnifying things in our relationships that we would have normally let slide. This is a time for us to be observant. For many of us, this pandemic is a magnifying glass for our relationships. It is revealing things that we may not have even known about our partners or we may not have even known about ourselves or we may not even know about our relationships. And so this week, I want you to consider how you are feeling every single day. I want you to check in with yourself and ask yourself, how am I doing today? How am I feeling today? It's important that we know how we are feeling because 
we always, always, always take out our emotions on those who are closest to us, especially our family members or our partners. So we know that when we're feeling low mood, we might be acting very withdrawn or distant or meh in our relationships. We know that when we are extremely stressed or worried, some of us we might pull away. Others of us we might come across as angry and upset. We know that when we're feeling scared, some of us, we become very negative. Think about what you are feeling this week and articulate it to your partner. And this is a simple conversation. And I know that there are some persons within our families, there are some partners, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear how we're feeling because they don't even know how they are feeling. But it is worth a try. I know that in my relationships, I often check in with them. I often check in with my partner. I often check in with my parents. I check in with my my family members because sometimes persons don't have that habit of checking in with themselves. And so they need to be prompted to check in with themselves. And so I simply ask, how are you doing today? How are you feeling today? And there are times where, you know, you can tell how your partner is feeling. You could tell that they're low mood. You could tell that they want space. You could tell that they're angry. You can tell that they are feeling overwhelmed. But you have to begin to give them the opportunity to really give language to how they are feeling. So ask them the question and give them a chance to say how they are feeling. And then I want us to consider our love language because how we express our love or how we want to be loved and supported during this time is important. So there are five love languages. And for those of you who are readers, researchers, you know about this, you may know about Gary Chapman. And we know that some of us, our love language is words of affirmation. We know that we love to be complimented. We love to hear encouraging words. Then there are others who love gifts. Then there are others like myself who like quality time. Then there are others who love acts of service. And then there are those of us who love physical touch. Doesn't have to be a sexual touch. It can simply be just a general casual touch. Our love languages, they can be primary, they can be secondary, it could be a mix. Something can be our top two, our top three. It can change over time, but we each have a love language that we can best relate to. So I want you this week to consider what is my love language and consider what is the love language of my partner. So if your love language is words of affirmation, let your partner know. Let your partner know this week, hey, I love when you gas me up. I love when you tell me I love you every day. I love when you give me a compliment or you tell me the food tastes good. Like, let your partner know that your love language is words of affirmation. And I want you to compliment your partner every day. And then I want you to look for one thing your partner is really strong at during this time and just gas them up, big them up, let them know that you see them, you appreciate them, and you're proud to have them in your life. And then for some of you, your love language might be quality time. That is my love language. And so this week, you know, you may want to articulate that need to your partner. You know, this is a time where we're not together or we are together, but I don't feel like we're having quality time together. And then you consider your partner's 
love language, if it is quality time, and you discuss how you best can connect with each other within this time. A lot of times we assume um, for our partner. We don't ask the questions in our relationships. And it doesn't matter. You can be with the person for six months, for six years. People change. People are constantly evolving. What matters is that conversation about how can I speak to you in a language that you can understand. So if your partner's love language is quality time, this week you might just want to spend some extra time with them, whether it is reading before bed, whether it is playing FIFA 20 together, whether it is watching Netflix together. Think about how can you ensure quality time, especially using technology if you aren't in the same place. You identify your love language, you articulate it to your partner, you find out your partner's love language, they share it with you, you have that conversation and together you come up with a new way and a creative way to connect. And this is an ideal situation because there are some people who have been waiting for a pandemic to end their relationship. They've been waiting for a high stress situation to walk away or ease out of um, a relationship or give them an excuse to no longer be in the relationship. But if you know that you and your partner at the core, you want to be together and you want to continue loving each other and you want to get through this pandemic together, consider your love languages and find creative ways to connect and to speak in ways that each other can understand. Because at the end of the day, the quality of our relationships, it really impacts the quality of our lives. I'm Dentrice here. Until next time, stay sweet. Stay healthy and stay sane.